Good morning, gentlemen. We're going to change the schedule up here a little bit. Um, I, uh, I know a little bit about our, our speaker. One thing I do know about him is he has a, uh, a meeting with his boss's boss at 8 o'clock this morning. And so uh, I'm sure many of us have experienced that at some point in time in our lives. So we're going to make certain at 7.30 he is wrapping up. So at 7.30, those of us who were uh, paying attention to what time it is will help him realize you need to be getting to your job today. Um, that's not a very great way to introduce um, John. John Bauer, I met him for the first time um, when, it, when I found out he might be my son-in-law. <laughs> well, you know, at, that can lead to lots of interesting questions. At, fortunately, I guess, it was uh, in the, the Acting Up production of Bye Bye Birdie. And my, uh, my youngest daughter, who's now in college, was playing the girl who was supposed to kiss the lead. And uh, I don't know about you gentlemen, but I'll never quite get used to any of my children kissing anybody else's children or parents. <laughs> and so um, I've gotten to know John a little bit because uh, he's been in several meetings where we've been talking about men's ministry. And um, his involvement over at the Dodd, I hope, will come through in what he says. But... Um, we're going to have some table talk at the at the end here, and we're going to talk a little bit more about alter your life. So, um, if you wouldn't mind, give a, give a round of applause here to introduce from all the way from Nebraska, um, John Bauer. Gentlemen, thanks. <laughs> Um, that's an, an odd way to be introduced, by the way. So just know I was 44 or 45 years old and I got, uh, the, what's the opposite of being typecast into a role? I got cast as the 18 to 20 year old Conrad Birdie. Uh, and so the, the difference in age between Mary Stevens and I, uh, thank goodness the audience was very forgiving in that because the, that was quite a gap. Anyway, I've had a pleasure of meeting Eric. Thank you. I feel privileged to be here. Um, I, when I saw the email come out with my name in the headline, I thought, well, that is strange. There's nary a soul that knows who I am. And uh, I come to understand that you all gather once a month and you hear from others um, on a regular basis that aren't necessarily the chosen ones, but maybe those that are lost and, uh, and broken. And uh, I certainly can categorize myself there. Uh, so I have a story. My stories go on forever. And uh, because of this meeting with my boss's boss, uh, I might have to just give you highlights of the stories, so I hope they come through for you. And if not, I'll come back and tell you the rest of them if they're that interesting. Um, I've coached a lot of people in the business world on how to give effective speeches, and one of the things that uh, you're not supposed to do, and by the way, I hate sitting behind a podium, so if I walk away from it, I promise I'll use my, uh, my theater voice so that you can hear me. Um, you're never supposed to make a disclaimer or an apology up front. So instead of doing either one of those, I'm gonna give you a warning. Right, here's my warning. Uh, I was taught a lesson, which is um, people who have emotions that just kind of come out, uh, that that's the Holy Spirit. And I, I, make, I made an analogy uh, for those of you who are big time campers, and I am not. I always was fascinated, there we go. Oh, he's waving, I thought he was a big time camper. Here's a big time camper over here. Um, I was always fascinated that, that when it rains, the tent will not leak unless you accidentally touch the ceiling or you bump up against the side and then all of a sudden the water starts coming in. Well, that's how I am lately with the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Um, I'm on the plane waiting to take off in New Orleans yesterday uh, to come home and my wife had posted a video of my daughter dancing in, the, in her uh, modern dance company and it's just so beautiful. Here I am literally almost weeping on the plane in front of all these other business travelers. And so I've got that tent, it's raining out 
And uh, something that I say is more than likely going to touch the ceiling and the water is going to start coming. So warning. That's a warning. Don't touch the tent. <laughs> All right. Well, my story, uh, if I could try to tell it in three parts, uh, I want to talk to you about my life and where I feel like uh, God has been sending me messages. And then I also uh, want to show you that uh, I feel like God has always been present. And for many of you, that wouldn't be a surprise. For me, uh, it took me 46 years to realize that. And then uh, I also want to talk about uh, God's invitations, which he has been sending many as well. So if I can pull that off in 30 minutes, I'll, uh, I'll be pleased. And then I have something for you all to consider and maybe even an ask at the end of something that uh, we would like you to consider. Can you hear me okay, by the way? Yes. All right, great. Okay, so uh, here come the highlights of the stories. <clears throat> I was the youngest of three boys, uh, and my parents uh, got divorced. And let me just say it differently. My dad left us when I was one. And so growing up without a father, my mom's parents moved in with us. And so, uh, you know, I was raised well. This is not a sob story. Uh, it just uh, speaks to who I am and what I thought was my role as a, as a, as a male on this earth. <clears throat> I thought it was up to me. If my dad left, then it's up to me to get my way through life. My mom was a school teacher. Uh, <clears throat> my grandfather had a stroke, and so he really wasn't present in my life. And so it was always up to me. And I give you some, some strange examples. The first example is uh, I grew up in Nebraska, and so tornadoes are a big deal in Nebraska. And, uh, and now they're a big deal in Georgia, which is weird that that happened. But, uh, you know, 40 years ago, it was, it was uh, up there. And, uh, you know, it wasn't enough that we had the, uh, the air defense system and the tornado sirens would go off. I, as a young person, five, six years old, would be the person watching the news. I was the one that was going to warn the family when it was time to go into the basement. I was the first one there. I was afraid of everything, by the way, uh, which is unfortunate. But I think when you have someone in your life leave you and you don't have that guidance or leadership and strength uh, that you have in a father figure, that you feel like it's up to you. So tornadoes are one example. Uh, and then advice. Um, thank goodness, and this is part of uh, God's messages to me in, in his presence. Everywhere I went, I had a man in my life. Everywhere. Elementary school. Guess who was my, my father figure there? The custodian. And I met him. You know how mean little kids can be, and of course, even back then, not just today uh, with social media, but um, Bud Lusher, Leonard Lusher, was six foot seven, he wore a size 15 shoe, and, uh, and he was the kindest man in the world, but he had had um, maybe a little bit of a stroke. And so when he went to sip his milk carton with a straw, um, it didn't work very well. And guess what we did? We made fun of him. And guess what he did? He loved us and he came over and he introduced himself to us and he became my guide for five years uh, and then longer. Taught me how to drive uh, when I was 13, don't tell anybody. Um, he taught me how to prioritize and, uh, and what was important in life. He had a, a Ford Bronco and, uh, you know, those little label makers on the side of his door, he put down uh, God, it's number one. And then he put down uh, Babe, who was his wife. He was Bud, she was Babe. And then uh, my friend Maureen and I, Dolly, her name was, he called me Boss. So Dolly and Boss, I was on his Bronco. He put his priorities out there and, uh, and I just learned so much from the man. I won't be so detailed, but I went to eighth grade or seventh and eighth grade, and my eighth grade counselor was uh, a mentor of mine, and to this day, got to see him over Christmas time. Uh, I went to college, and I had an evolution professor become my spiritual mentor. How did that happen? You know, he, he's an evolution professor. How can you do both? So, uh, so I had a lot of, of that type of guidance. And then uh, 
The last thing I'll say is about control. I thought I had to control everything. And so big decisions like college, um, I ended up getting a, uh, uh, I was the youngest of seven. There was a Brady Bunch merger that happened back in 1978. And uh, so I had four new brothers and sisters. And so I was the youngest of seven. And when I went to college, there were five kids in college. So you imagine the, the strain that that uh, had on my family from a financial perspective. And I was a pretty bright kid. So I applied to a few places and I got a full ride tuition and room board scholarship to Rice University, which is a big deal. They called the Ivy League of the South. So any kid would kill for that. By the way, I also um, went to this thing called Boys Nation, uh, which is the American Legion's Boys State program. And then two kids per state get to go. Met Ronald Reagan in the Rose Garden. And we got to meet our senators. And I met David Carnes, who was appointed. He was like uh, number 98 uh, from a rank perspective. He had a super small office. And then we went into the Nebraska senator who had been there for you know 20 some years in his office complex. And we got there and he welcomed us with open arms. At the end of that meeting, he offered us uh, appointment to any one of the military academies we wanted to go to. Had I had a dad in my life and I would have gone home and told him that story, I'd be sitting here, maybe standing here in front of you in uniform, but I didn't go because this was all up to me. I made all the decisions. And so Rice University offers this full tuition room award scholarship. I'm going to go down and study uh, chemical engineering and, bi and biochemistry and start working for an oil company. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, the director of admissions from this small, unknown university called DePaul University in the middle of Indiana calls and says, I thought you were coming. You know DePaul? DePaul. <laughs> that is crazy. You're kidding. Wow. We have to speak. Okay. I love it. So super small, Greencastle, Indiana. And uh, he says, I thought we were so high up on you. He's yelling at me over the phone. Will you and I said, Mr. Murray, uh, I'm the fifth kid in college and uh, you didn't Rice University. And he goes, you give me until tomorrow. And so without consulting anyone, I make the decision to go to DePaul University. Can you imagine? I didn't think I had anybody in my life that would help me with that. I'm not going to go to my mom. I love her to death, but that's just not the relationship that we have. So I'm trying to give you all that up to uh, marriage. I wasn't ready. By the way, I don't know if you knew this, but from when I was, I guess, one until I was 46 years old, I didn't believe in God. Um, I knew a lot of people did, uh, but I didn't have a relationship. And, and at the times when I did and I came close, it wasn't Jesus. It was God. It was this father figure. And this is the hard part that looked like my dad. I don't like my dad. So how do you have a relationship with someone who you think is someone you don't like? That's a struggle. So uh, I had a hard time, and if you ask my wife, a very hard time uh, figuring out that I was uh, the marriage quality. We dated for five and a half years and uh, unfortunately had to take a bit of a hiatus uh, because I wasn't ready. And uh, thank goodness, and, and it's part of my story, I got to look at my time here. I think I have time to tell you the story. Thank you, Mark. So uh, thank goodness I had lots of signs and messages from God. Um, I don't know where this fits into this story, but, but again, if I talk about God's messages and the people that he's put in my life. I've got to tell you this story about the number 29. It's a quick one. Uh, I can't escape the number 29 in my life. It is the strangest thing. And I know why it's in my life now, but I didn't at the time. Um, I had, uh, uh, we were like three years advanced in our math classes and they were making up math classes for us. And uh, we had this uh, teacher named Emil Biga in high school. And every time he had to come up with an example of a number, it was always the number 29. That's the first time I remember. And then uh, I, I ran around with a smart crowd, but I could not get anything higher than a 29 on my ACT. I tried four times, I think. 29, 29, 29, 29. And then uh, when I went to DePaul University, uh, my student ID number is 029000. 
my social security number, the digits add up to 29. Uh, my wife's social security number ends in the number 29. My mom had me when she was 29. And I know I'm forgetting 10 or 20 other examples, and there are probably 100 that I don't, uh, I, I wasn't open to. Um, but, I, but I know that this is God sending me messages because on the 29th of December, uh, I got together with my wife to basically, after that six-month hiatus, to say goodbye. She was tired of me hanging around. She was trying to move on with her life. And so we got together and I got frustrated one time uh, right before Christmas and I, I sent her gifts even though we were two miles away from each other. And, uh, you know, because adult temper tantrums, right? Hold on, let me get a drink of water. And so she had this whole thing arranged and told her current boyfriend uh, that, that this was happening. Yep, I'll, you know, I'll call you when it's over. <laughs> and then I'm there and, uh, and I'm, I'm like, well, I think we're, I'm here to have a conversation and, uh, and she's here to say goodbye. Those two things don't work very well together. And then, um, uh, man, my stories are too. So, so, so uh, sh uh, there was this song from this Omaha singer-songwriter that I wanted to play for. And so put the CD on, right? <clears throat> and, uh, and she had given me an apron as a, as a parting gift. She knew I liked to cook. So it's like, all right, I'm sending you away. Here's an apron, which I still wear to this day, by the way. <clears throat> and we're dancing. And all of a sudden, I realized <clears throat> there's something happening. And I had known about this number 29. Sorry <clears throat> for my voice. I had known about this number 29, and it was the 28th of December. And there was just something in me saying, I got to make it to midnight. I got to make it to midnight. And, uh, and so small talk, small talk. She's like, how long is this going to go on? I mean, tears and everything. Do we really need to prolong this? Come on, get out. I'm like, just, just bear with me. And so all of a sudden, midnight strikes, and I'm sitting on her futon. Again, this is showing our age, right? And her, and her cat, our cat, is sitting right next to me. And uh, she's in the bedroom explaining to her current boyfriend what's taking. And, uh, and I am not kidding. If all of a sudden <clears throat> I had this feeling come over me, it was the uh, most calm, uh, peaceful confidence that I had ever had in my life. And at that point, I realized for the first time in my life that I could, that I could commit to a woman, that I could get married, that I could do these things. And uh, the wildest thing is she came out of the bedroom and she looked at me and she did a double take. And she didn't recognize physically in my eyes. I don't know what it was, but she tells me later that uh, she felt like for the very first time in her relationship with me that she didn't have to take care of me. Just like that. I was stupid enough not to realize that was God. That you know, major occurrence in my life didn't put me over the edge to say, I'm going to live a life following Jesus Christ. Um, that was a while ago, and it, and it didn't happen. Uh, so, so anyway, I, I'm giving you examples of, of where God was in my life. And, uh, and, uh, so now let me, that, by the way, the 29th then became this like huge number in my life. The best uh, part of the story is, um, that was in Omaha. We moved, I moved to Des Moines, Iowa to start in the pharmaceutical industry. Then I moved Michelle to Salt Lake city, um, to take a job with Amgen. And, uh, she was pregnant with our first child. Uh, and I decided to give up my piano in Des Moines and following around apartment to apartment, the piano my mom had bought me when I was five. And it's a horrible piano. And I, she probably paid $300 for it back in 1976. And uh, I probably spent $2,000 moving the piano from apartment to apartment. <laughs> so I finally gave it up. And I got to Salt Lake City. And I realized after a month, I, I just, uh, I can't live without a piano. And so we went shopping for a piano. I was going to buy a new Yamaha Promburger. Uh, this guy came from Steinway. They were beautiful. It was great. And I'm getting to know this woman of this uh, piano shop. And she's like, you know what? Why don't you come with me? And so she brings my wife and I back into their piano shop where they're working on pianos. And in the back wall is this enormous piano. Um, and it's a Mason and Hamlin, a Boston manufacturer. This thing had been built in 1899. And uh, 
I walk up to it and I sit down, ivory keys, of course, and I start playing and I realize that now I'm connected to this instrument. I know that sounds weird, but it was. It was an immediate thing. It didn't matter how much it was going to cost me. I was buying this. This was my piano. So fast forward years at Salt Lake City, moved back to Omaha, uh, and then we moved to Atlanta. This is about five or six years ago. And uh, I was asking the guy who tunes our piano to help me, you know, do I need to restore this? What's going on? Well, let's take a look. And I'm sitting there and he pulls the bottom off. You know, you're always tuning the piano from the top. This is a studio piano. We think it weighs about eight or nine. And uh, he takes the bottom off. And you know, pianos have lots of brass parts. And this huge brass part, the number 29. Isn't that wild? So anyway, I know this story wasn't supposed to be about the number 29. But again, by, by that time, I'm like, something's happening here. I know there's 29. Again, I didn't realize that that was God sending me a message. Um, last story about, about his presence is uh, maybe two, two. One's just a quick mention. We almost lost my mom uh, 15 years ago and uh, down on my hands and knees praying in the hospital. And this miracle happens. The story is way too long, but just know that they, she was getting a colonoscopy. Uh, sorry, she was getting an endoscopy because she had an ulcer. And uh, she started bleeding out, and they almost lost her in the endoscopy lab. And it was a Saturday morning, and uh, the general surgeon was booked. And he, was, he had somebody open on the table, so you can't actually put somebody next to them and do two surgeries at once. That would be pretty miraculous. So we had to wait, and they somehow stabilized her. And when uh, he got in, when she finally got in, and the surgeon um, opened her up, he, re he said out loud, I cannot save this woman. And then, just so happens that the woman who was getting her colonoscopy directly after my mom, they had closed the endoscopy lab down. Her uh, son-in-law was um, one of the two gastric bypass surgeons in Omaha. And he's like, well, I got nothing to do now. Sorry. And uh, so he, he poked his head into the OR and looked at the board and saw gastric ulcer on the board. And he pops his head into the OR just after the guy said, I cannot save this woman and says, hey, do you need some help? And so my mom got a gastric bypass surgery for free on Medicare. And uh, to this day is, is incredibly well. So, so th there's that. And then there's this uh, story about Guatemala where I was down there doing a medical mission. Keep in mind, we had a Christian side of it. It was very small. It was through school. And uh, I was there to build a medical building and uh, speak a little Spanish and cut to the chase. There was this guy that I met who was a med student and he was an avid runner and I am not. And Guatemala is a very hilly place. And so every morning we'd go out and he'd be like, come on. And I'd try to keep up with him. I couldn't uh, every morning. We serve 1,300 patients, um, and, and we're doing our R&R at the end of the month. Uh, and it's the last day, and we're at uh, Lake Atitlan. There's twin volcanoes in the background, and we're running along the beach, and I can't keep up with them. His name's Randy, and you'd think after a month I'd be good at this. So we meet these little kids that are playing uh, uh, soccer on the beach, and I speak about kindergarten-level Spanish, and so we have this great connection going, and we play, I think, for hours. At least that's how I remember the story. This was back in 1994. And... Uh, now we're about ready to run back, and I am just, I mean, what an experience, right? A month of serving people and connecting with these kids. And so we start running back, at, you know, volcanoes in the background. And here's what I remember. He couldn't keep up with me, you know? So I felt like I could do anything. I didn't know that was God. I didn't know that was the Holy Spirit filling me and giving me the confidence and strength that I needed to do whatever he wants me to do. Didn't know that. At the, that was a long time ago. How many years ago? 25 years ago. All right. So... Um, let me cover God's invitations real quick because uh, maybe some of you have had them and some of you might be a part of some other men's invitations. The first one was I was in high school and I, I was kind of a, a, a different type of kid because I was able to somehow bridge the gap of being nerdy in school from an academic perspective and then being musical and being in swing choir and then also uh, being a varsity soccer player and kicking the football for the team and, and president of student council 
how do you do all that, right? It was a gift. And so I had tons of different friends, some of which were fairly religious, and I got invited to a non-denominational church retreat once, and there was an altar call. And I remember being 17 years old, sitting there, watching these other people go up and, and, uh, and give their life to Christ. And I remember this feeling, right? And uh, at the time, it was an amazing feeling, but it was, I was so nervous. Again, this is up to me, and I wasn't ready to make that decision. I just remember that. There was an invitation. This gentleman's name was Jeff Brown. He and I aren't close friends anymore, but he felt strongly about me and encouraged me to do this. Uh, here's another invitation. Um, I've had, in the business world, so many mentors who are willing to let you know that they follow Christ. And I love that. And maybe many of you have that. But how great is it that I have these people who I admire and think, wow, if I could only be like them. And then all of a sudden they start talking to me about what's most important to them, which is their faith in a business setting. That's pretty awesome as well. And then uh, maybe the, the last one uh, from an invitation perspective is right here at RUMC. Um, some of you, if you go to the Welcome Home service, you may have seen a video with me on it a year or two ago. Uh, but acting up, uh, the acting ministry, uh, my son, who is now 14, back then was probably 10. That's right. And, uh, and they needed a, a young boy to play uh, Winthrop in The Music Man. And so uh, they called up my wife and were like, oh, this sounds like fun. And, and so he auditioned and he's cute as a button. He's got a good lisp if he needs one. And so he became a good Ron Howard. And uh, <coughs> he was pretty good, wasn't he, Stan? Tim? So uh, what I witnessed, though, was this group of people who were the kindest, most supportive people in the world. Uh, sharp contrast, he played soccer at a club. I won't name the club because I'm not trying to badmouth the club. My son's not the most gifted soccer player, but he was in the academy and he made it the first couple years of his select team. And he would come home from practice completely dejected because the kids would yell at him for not being fast enough, screwing up. And it's like, really? I can't imagine that someone at acting up, for instance, um, would ever criticize my son, even one of the young kids, because the mentorship and the way people treat each other is all being modeled by these wonderful Christian people who are getting together because they love musical theater. And so this welcoming kind of open arm type of uh, situation was inspiring to me to the extent that the next year I thought, well, if I have to drop him off at rehearsal, um, why don't I audition? Hence, I got the Conrad Birdie part. I had no idea, by the way, that I would be getting the lead in a role that was you know, half my age. But uh, but I did, and the welcoming that I received and how I instantly became part of this family was, was pretty amazing. It was pretty amazing. And then here comes Jason Scott, who of course was playing the mayor, and he does such a wonderful job of that. And Jason said, hey, and by the way, now I know that Jason says it's everybody, but I thought it was pretty special to me, which was, I watch how you connect with these kids. I really think you ought to come work with our youth. I know you're laughing at me. How many of you have gotten that same invitation from Jason? Okay, I get it, I get it. That's fine. But but I felt like it was it was special, and I always know that I've connected with, with youth. And so I started going over, and, and he's like, um, become a discipleship group leader. I'm like, first of all, I'm not even sure I can define what a disciple is. Secondly, I don't think I have ever actually picked up the Bible and read uh, an entire book, um, maybe a chapter or two here and there. And so I'm like, I can't be that guy. And Jason says, absolutely, you can. You absolutely can. And so I started going over there, and at first I was just helping out with their music. So with The Way, uh, Worship Arts Youth and Out Loud. Uh, and then the next thing you know, I'm a discipleship group leader. So along, uh, along those lines, because I'm now I'm connected with RUMC, uh, my son hits confirmation age and he goes to confirmation. And so I'm asked to uh, be a confirmation leader and I say no. 
I'm going to draw the line there. I think I need to know something about the Bible and believe in God in order to be a confirmationer. I'm pretty sure about that one. And so I said no. But my son went through it, and I didn't realize this, uh, but he went through it. But this is God inviting me to go through confirmation class because RUMC has this amazing adult-focused class. Your kids are going through confirmation. We want you to know uh, what they're going through. And two of your members here, Fletch and Mark Kramer, are the professors, if you will, of that class. And uh, I would say that particular year, there were probably 75 parents that showed up every Sunday. And uh, and so I'm, I'm back there with my iPad taking notes. You know, everybody else is like, yeah, yeah, I heard this before. Yeah, yeah, I went through confirmation. And I'm thinking, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I don't know if you remember me back there taking notes. But I, I still have those notes. And, I, and I'm, I'm just getting so much out of this. And so at one point, I wanted to go up and thank this man for um, being part of my journey because I knew I was on a journey. And I didn't know where it was leading. But I thought, you know what? Everybody tells these journey stories. Um, and, and I, and I thought, well, I just, I felt compelled. I don't know why I was going to tell this man that he's going to be a part of my journey. I'm waiting in line because everybody wants to talk to Mark Kramer. Same thing happens to Fletch afterward. And, uh, I'm waiting in line and I go to take my coffee mug, uh, my styrofoam cup that was empty and go throw it away real quick. Cause I guess I thought I was in a hurry and Mark out of his peripheral vision spots that I'm leaving. And, uh, and he looked and he didn't even know my name and he pointed at me which isn't point, but you pointed at me. That's Kramer. He pointed at me and he said, um, breakfast or lunch, I'm only offering once. How great is that? And I don't know what he saw in me. Maybe it was a question that I asked, but he was called to be that guy for me. So now Bud Lusher, my custodian, and Dan Welch and my, my counselor, Mark Kramer's part of that story because Mark saw something and he was called to care about me, invest in me, love me. And I started going to breakfast with him. Now I'm your worst student. I know this. And so uh, this isn't, this doesn't end well yet, <laughs> but because he's still working on me, we go months without getting together. Uh, but, but look at how all of a sudden I'm, I'm in the fold. And then the next year I have courage to become a discipleship group leader. And then things start happening where, uh, we give the kids a chance to come in, um, uh, on this particular Sunday and, uh, and pray and leave something that's heavy on their heart in the hands of someone else. And I'm sitting there, and, uh, and I hadn't done this before, but I'm watching a, a mentor do it. And this kid comes up, and what's heavy on your heart? And he, and he says this. He's like, well, my parents got divorced, and uh, I'm afraid that it's going to affect uh, how my parents feel about me. <laughs> all of a sudden, here's this kid who is questioning whether he's loved. And I thought, so first of all, oh, how heart-wrenching is that? And secondly, what am I doing here? Well, I have the words given to me which were to say that, hey, you know what? Here's what I know. I know that there is a father in your life who will never leave you. Now, I got through it without touching the tent with uh, this young man, I promise you that. But I was, I was adamant about the fact that you might not know it now, but there is a father who is by your side right now, tomorrow and forever. And, uh, and I felt like God put me in that place. And I can tell you a hundred of those stories, and I'm sure that you all can as well. Uh, but look at that journey. How, how long did it take me? Uh, to get to that spot. And it was through RUMC and through the youth group where I'm starting to make connections with folks. Um, by the way, I feel compelled to tell you, and then I'm going to get to my ask because my time is coming uh, uh, coming up. Um, I'm not afraid to admit to you that uh, I still see myself, but even in particular when, when Mark called me out and, uh, and when I'm in front of this young man, um, I feel like I'm a child still. Uh, I, am, I am not mature in my relationship with God or with Jesus. I don't know a lot about the Bible yet. If Mark had his way, I'd know a lot more about it than I do currently. 
Um, but I'm not afraid to admit that. Um, and, and, and for some reason, I think that means that's why I'm here in front of you all is because I still need you in my life. I don't know what that means to you all, but I don't feel, even though I look like I'm 47 years old, like I'm 47 years old spiritually. And uh, unless I keep getting messages about the number 29, presence of God through other men in my life, and invitations to continue to seek him, I'm going to fall off. I do every day. And so I guess I wasn't planning on asking you this, but be there for me, please. Uh, I'll pray on it because uh, I know that I can't do it on my own. I'm not in control anymore. I know that for sure. <laughs> uh, I, I screwed it all up for 46 years. Unfortunately, how come it doesn't work this way? Why am I still screwing it up, Mark? <laughs> I thought it was like that, right? It's not like that. It's not like that. And so, uh, I guess the, oop, thank you. We're good though. My uh, boss's boss texted me and said it was okay. When you, when you say church, I think they're like, I get it. I'm at church. Um, I'll tell you the, the story about uh, how it finally dawned on me that all these messages and presence of other men in my life was really God trying to pierce my heart. Um, I'm 46 years old. I've had a career at a pharmaceutical company for nine to 10 years. I've done incredibly well. And uh, I was going to move my family to Denver. And uh, we ended up deciding that we had planted roots here, largely because of our relationship here. And then my daughter's dance studio and my son at school and all the support we had. We're like, for the first time in our adult lives, we've lived everywhere. We feel like we're planting roots. And so we decided not to move to Denver. Company didn't like that very well and uh, was looking for the opportunities within the company. And then finally, a friend of mine called and said, hey, come work for me. Okay, um, but how do I make that decision? I have no reason to leave this great career that I've established here in Atlanta. Am I going to go work for my friend? And again, it was up to me. So pros and cons list. I'm debating this. One of my uh, mentors and friends, we talked about it for a month and he almost killed me because it was just, it was annoying. And uh, I got to uh, the point where I'm like, finally, so I'm flying back from Denver and on the plane. And of course I fly so much, I'm upgraded in first class and I've got my noise cancellation headphones on. I'm in my routine and I thought, oh, I finally have a moment to just be with myself, meditate, didn't use the word pray at the time, and do this thing where I'm going to go, my current job, UCB, UCB. And so imagine businessman in his suit in the first class and I'm going like this. And then all of a sudden the words were, it was like, it was like, you're asking the wrong question. The question is, should you believe in Jesus? And then you know what happened after that? Somebody touched the tent all over the place because the tears just started streaming down my face in first class. I'm sure people are like, what is happening with that guy? What's he listening to? Um, I was listening to God. And then immediately I started um, apologizing for all the crappy things. I, and right there in the middle of a Delta flight in first class, I realized that all these messages and all this presence that God has put in my life and all these invitations that came from the likes of you all um, were, were all planned and intended and part of my journey. And uh, it was amazing to me that it took that many years uh, to finally realize that, that God has been there the whole time, that Jesus has been walking right next to me, waiting for me and reminding me. And by the way, you all know this already, but here's my, my second ask for you. It's part of the first ask, which is he doesn't do that directly. The number 29, eh, it's a coincidence. I don't think, but it doesn't necessarily take people, although somebody chiseled the number 29 or put that stencil in, it didn't happen by chance. But God uses all of us for those invitations and for that presence in other people's lives. And no one needs it more today than those boys over there. 
Um, if you all don't have young kids right now, the, the pressures on kids these days, it's, and, and it, unfortunately it's society that's put this pressure on. The, the, the pressure to fit in on social media, the rejection that you get, not intentionally, but when you see happy pictures of your friends and you're not part of that and you didn't get invited, it crushes you. And so I've watched my kids, one of whom doesn't care about social media. All she doesn't have, she doesn't have time. She dances, a straight A student. Um, but my son, it's just, it's crushing. And so they go over there. And at first I was like, discipleship group leader, aren't I supposed to really get into the minds and hearts of these kids with this like, you know, intense fellowship on uh, a Bible verse? Isn't that what discipleship group is? My mentor over here, Mark said, you know what, in the first couple, two, three or four years, if you get one good conversation out of them a year, great. Really, it's about fellowship and it's about getting to know each other and knowing that they're not alone. Um, and so here's what my ask is, and I put it on a, a separate piece of paper. Did I cover everything I was supposed to cover? Hold on. All right. So hopefully some of you have identified with what I said, which was you don't have to be a Bible expert to help others. Uh, you, you don't have to be be able to quote it like Mark and Bob do. Um, all you need to do is, is sign up and show up because the life experiences in this room, there are kids over there who are, who are crying out for it. They need, they need you. They really do. It's hard. It's hard for 2000. It's hard for me. <laughs> and I'm 47. So I get emotional about it because Sunday nights are busy time. I miss my Sunday night dinners with my family. And as an adult, I have temper tantrums and every once in a while I get frustrated because six o'clock rolls around and I'm not ready for Monday. I got a huge presentation. I got a huge meeting. I'd just rather have dinner with my family and stay at home and get ready, go to bed at a decent time, and then just be as prepared as possible. There isn't one time that I haven't gone where, <laughs> I can't believe it, where God hasn't um, shown me why I'm supposed to be there every Sunday without fail. It's my church. I don't go to church, sorry. I'm still working on becoming a member of REMC. I felt compelled to join, but my wife isn't quite there yet. She's on her own. Uh, that's my church. And just by showing up, I am not a Bible expert. I promise you, God is using me to give the kids the strength and the belief that they need to get through life and uh, hopefully not to wait 46 years. And so if you don't think you're an expert, here's what you are an expert on because of your life experience. If you're an expert on forgiveness. You can show up, sign up and show up, and you can teach them the importance of forgiveness. That's powerful. Every one of you is an expert on that. You might not be good at it, but you know what it is. Um, kindness. Some kids aren't kind. Just by you showing up and modeling kindness, you're making a connection that I believe God wants you to. Humility. Um, and then your chance to lead. And then most of all, most of all, especially uh, coming from me, is that you can you can show up and show them how to love and, and, and show them what it feels like to be in every one of your ex. So if you got some free time this weekend, this is the ask. We have Sorry, I haven't kept track. Does anybody know how many kids have signed up for AYL? So AYL stands for Alter Your Life. Obviously, it's a play on words. A-L-T-A-R. I know how to spell that one. Versus what? So it's a, between 350 and 400 kids that have signed up, and they're going to spend the weekend at uh, host homes, but the majority of the time they're going to be there in the sanctuary. And uh, it's a chance for them to just to leave the outside world behind and focus their life on Jesus and the altar. And uh, is the goal to get them to uh, to give their life to Jesus? Absolutely. But that doesn't happen with everybody. What happens is they get surrounded by love and you could be a part of that just by signing up and showing up. You don't have to be an expert. And quite frankly, you really don't have to do much. But just by them seeing you there, you will make a huge difference. My last story after that ask, I probably should end on that, right? You're going to sign up. I encourage you to um, because... As much as they need you, 
think I can say this. You might need it more than them. Uh, my last story is Jason Scott uh, encouraged me and some other of the uh, discipleship group leaders to go on a walk to Emmaus. Many of you maybe have been on it, if you know about it. And uh, I had had this experience on the plane where I realized all these messages and presence was really God never given up on me. But I didn't realize what that meant until I went on my walk to him. And uh, rather than go into any sort of details, I will just let you know that the experience that I had uh, was exactly what I feel like I've needed since I was a child. Uh, and this is going to sound a little vulnerable, but I'm just going to go for it. Uh, you know, from when I was one, all I really wanted was a, was a father who would wrap his arms around and tell me that he loved me. That's what happened. Well, that's what continues to happen. That's what happened on my walk to him. It was amazing. And again, it's like, you know, this has been going on for a decade, but I felt like the program was designed just for me because because I got exactly what I needed. By the way, I've fallen off the wagon. I don't read the Bible like I should. I'm going to have breakfast with Mark next week. I can tell you that much. He reached out and said, hey, I saw your name on an email. I'm glad to see that you're still alive. <laughs> uh, so I'm still lost and, uh, and I, I still am broken. But, uh, but I know uh, that in the great times and in the most challenging times, I've got that father who will never leave me. Some of you could could uh, have that effect and influence on another person just by signing up and showing up. So I encourage you to do that for this weekend. Here's my table talk. Um, I rattled off some things, forgiveness, kindness, love, what you all are experts on. So I think you might want to talk about either sharing an example where you know God put you in that right spot with a young person, uh, with a, a man in your neighborhood who you didn't realize was lost until you stopped and, and thought, oh, maybe I ought to ask. Maybe you went so far as to say, how can I pray for you? Or maybe you were just there for him. You just signed up and showed up. Share those stories, expand that list of things that you're experts on, and hopefully it might convince you that you would be exactly who we're looking for for Alter Your Life. So thank you for allowing me to share my story. Uh, I might get fired because I'm going to be super late for my boss's boss meeting. I'm kidding. Um, but but I, uh, I, I felt compelled to share uh, all the details of those stories so that you know what I've gone through, so that you know uh, the role that you are playing and could possibly play in the life of, of another child like me. So thank you for the time, and I encourage you to sign up and show up. Thanks, Eric. So um, John has set this uh, set up several asks for us to discuss around the table. I'm going to be real deliberate. I hate I hate calling the spade a spade, but I, I'm going to do that right now. I um, I feel like we've all seen what a journey really looks like, and I'm thrilled to be on an RUMC campus that offers opportunities for people like John to come be welcome and for his family to be impacted. But I'm inspired by what he had to say. There's an email that went out on Tuesday. There's a sign-up sheet. It's just for the men. It's just for the men. It only went out to men. Um, part of Alter Your Life is for the kids. Part of it is for us to have a, a three-hour time that we can give to be around these kids while they're having their life altered. Parking attendants, you guys know how cars work. Hall monitors, greeter. You, th these don't require a lot of skills. You've got all these skills. It is... I think critical, not just because we need people doing this this weekend, but I think it's critical that every one of us experience what John just told us about. It's hearsay when we hear it from him, but when it happens to us, we can witness about it. So the email that went out on Tuesday has a link in it for the sign-up genus for the guy-only tasks. I'm going to ask that if you can't find a slot on Saturday or on Friday, you find somebody who can't. 
So it's either you or someone you find. It's real simple. There are about 15 or so positions that we still need to fill. These are low responsibilities, but it would give you a chance to be around these kids and to see firsthand what's going on. Um, John's walk, he's not done. I love the fact that he's just so transparent. And I just feel honored that he would come be vulnerable with us. He knew a couple of people in this room, but might that we all have that strength and that transparency when the time is right. And so uh, take a minute around the table and, you know, talk about where you are and, and experiences matter to you, maybe when you were growing up. But I'm going to really ask that every man in this room, and I know who you are, <laughs> either sign up or find somebody to sign up because the Dodd needs our help this weekend. And I believe it will have a meaningful impact on not just your weekend, but on the way you approach things all next week. Um, so thank you, gentlemen, for being here this morning. Um, we are going to have breakfast twice in February um, because on the last day of February, we're moving our, our March breakfast up one week, basically, to allow GIC to provide a, a speaker to us. We'll basically be the kickoff event for the GIC weekend. Um, I have not met the speaker. I have been told about the speaker, but it will be an interesting speaker. <laughs> it may not. It may not be a guy. It may. We may. We may j jump genders here for uh, from uh, for men's group speaker. Um, but it will be April. I'm sorry, February the 28th, and um, you'll get an email and a text message. Quick show of hands here. How many people got both an email and a text message? Okay. If you did not get both of those, please make certain on the sign-in sheet that you write down. Both of those, both a mobile number and a text message. And um, I, I appreciate you guys letting me use those mechanisms to reach out to you. I hope it's not too annoying. Um, I'm just trying to learn how to use the church systems as best I can. Um, I've been witness to this morning. I appreciate you guys giving me that opportunity to be up here and to and invite people like John. I really never know what they're going to say. I trust that they're going to say something that's going to be meaningful. And when I see that they do, to me, that's a that's a faith experience. And so uh, thank you for being here this morning, gentlemen, and uh, talk around the table and ask, did you sign up or are you going to find somebody to sign up? <laughs>